Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast it is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? We're talking about financial wellness today and our guest, uh, well, quite frankly, there's none better. She is Rachel Cruz. Let me tell you a little bit more about Rachel. She is a two-time number one national best-selling author, a financial expert, and host of the Rachel Cruz Show. Now, since 2010, Rachel has served at Ramsey Solutions, where she teaches people how to avoid debt and to budget and to win with money at any stage in life. Now, I love getting to know Rachel because she is so energetic, and she's a thought-provoking speaker, as you'll hear in just a minute. And she's been speaking to audiences as large as 10,000 since the age of 15, when she began making appearances with her father, Dave Ramsey. She's also appeared on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Live with Kelly and Ryan, CNN Tonight, Fox and Friends, and The Rachel Ray Show. In fact, uh, we were trying to coordinate this interview, and I was bumped uh, because of an interview that came up with Fox Business. So that is where I rank in the pecking order, just so you know. What's refreshing about talking to Rachel is that she believes that it is possible for anyone to turn around their finances and to win with money and to build the life that they truly love. So what can you expect to learn from this interview? Well, it's a great interview. It's just a conversation. You're going to learn about financial literacy. Uh, Regardless of where you are in life, retired or you're in high school or young adult, it doesn't matter. You're going to get some financial insights you're going to put to use right away. So welcome to the show, everyone. If you like what you hear, I invite you to subscribe. And if this is your very first episode you're listening to, Lucky you. This conversation, this interview is one you're going to remember. So now let's not wait any longer. We have Rachel Cruz in the house. She's ready. I hope you are as well. Here, everyone, is Rachel Cruz. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. It's really good having you here. Thank you, Darren. Thanks for having me. I so appreciate it. So, Rachel, you heard a little bit of my introduction. You are everywhere. I mean, I see you. I hear you on your podcast see you on YouTube, you're on the radio, you're a best-selling author. Where did all this begin for you? This Is it the love of money or the love to help people? Where did it all start? Yeah, you know, my my story, I feel like in a way it kind of is unique, um, just growing up in a household where money was talked about. You know, my dad, Dave Ramsey, it's what he did for a living. And and thankfully, they were my parents were not obsessed with money. I think some people assume as a Ramsey family that we had like mutual fund birthday parties and went to budget camp and stuff. Yeah, no, nothing (laughs) weird like that. Um, But they were really intentional with teaching us about money because of the pain that they went through. They filed bankruptcy actually the year I was born. I was born in April and they filed papers in September for, um, yeah, for going into bankruptcy. So, so, so much of their heart and passion of understanding how money works uh, became kind of a little bit of the of within the family. I mean, it's just what you saw, and and I always knew that you know there was an impact being made with this message of common sense, really, of just living on less than you make, avoiding debt, being generous, and budgeting. You know, it's very simple common sense principles, but they were making an impact. And so I started traveling and speaking with my dad when I was fifteen years old. I was a freshman in high school, and I just started doing like right before the breaks at the big live events, you know, there was some kids products. So I would go out and kind of pitch the kids products. And so doing that on the weekends throughout high school, I just learned that I enjoyed public speaking. And, you know, I just kind of put that in the back of my head of like, oh yeah, that's fun. And most people hate public speaking. So the fact that it was a little bit of a unique thing about me, um, you know, I kind of, I remembered that. And then I went to college and was just, you know, a college student, wasn't really involved with the business at all, but I kept hearing Darren 
students my age, I mean, 18, 19, 20 years old, talking about money and stress. And that was when you could sign up for credit cards on college campuses, you know, and the free t-shirts, you know, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, listening to these students talk about not knowing about money or I don't know, you know, they would just make comments and statements about it. And I just remember thinking, okay, I'm 19 years old. I don't have all the answers, but I feel like I could help them. Like if they wanted my opinion, I feel like I actually have a very basic level of knowledge to be able to guide them. And really that's where my heart grew for this message because I realized, you know, my dad is kind of the emergency surgeon and I'm the preventative medicine. You know, if you can get this early, yeah, early on, you can avoid so many of those money mistakes. And so when I graduated from college is when I set my parents down and I was like, I want to do this. Like I want to do, and I thought it was going to be all youth. So I thought I was going to do high school and college students for the rest of my life and get to the message early. And then as I've grown, you know, that was almost 15 years ago. I'm married. I have three kids now. And so my content throughout the years has shifted to my life of just what I'm struggling with. You know, what, when we're saving up for a family vacation, how difficult that can be, or the comparison game when you're buying a house, you know, all of these struggles that I feel like I was living in, I started talking about those through books and podcasts and all that. So, so the message has really kind of grown with me, honestly. And yeah, I think the the heart of it still to this day, it really is, it's to, it's to help people because it's such a chaotic, stressful subject. It's a really shameful subject for people. Money is, and we just want to kind of break all those walls down and give people a path and just the encouragement that they can do it. We see people Everyday people all the time win with their money and get control. And so if I can be a small piece of that message, uh, it's a it's a joy. Yeah, it sure seems like it is something that drives you. I mean, I've listened to a lot of interviews with you. I've listened to your content and you use the word hope a lot. What are some of these biggest mistakes? You mentioned it's common sense and it's simple, but yet people still need so much hope as it relates to money. Why, why is that? Why do all of us get into a little bit of trouble? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think a human nature, I think we naturally are probably wired to want bigger. We want better. You know, we want the upgrades, like the way life is presented, we just continue to want. And then we live in a culture and a society where debts, the avenue of debt is everywhere. I mean, it's the easiest thing to do, whether it's credit cards or personal loans or, you know, student loans, whatever it is you can pretty much go do whatever you want to do. And money doesn't have to hold you back if you use debt. And then you fast forward the tape a little bit and you start to see the weight and the stress that that causes when you owe someone something and you don't have autonomy over your life. You don't, you're not the one in charge. The bank is at that point. And so, you know, it's just very common. And I think too, our value is so tied to our money, you know, whether it's what you make, your salary, you hear someone else, you know, in your life makes double what you make. And you think, oh my gosh, you know, they're doing, how are they, how are they doing that? Or someone's driving a new car and you think, gosh, it just, it feels like everyone else uh, has this figured out and you're the only one struggling. (laughs) Right. So it can be very isolating too. Um, But it's, and it carries so much of that value of who we are is carried into our money. So I always tell people your net worth is not your self-worth, but that's the way it's been presented to us. That's a great point. Great point. By the way, you're you're a fantastic follow on Instagram and on Twitter or X, I think it's called now. Yeah. But there's right. a short, short video clip of of you saying just that, that you are you are not your money mistakes or your money wins. 
your net worth is not your self-worth. And I just I just watched that uh, just a few hours ago, actually, Rachel, really a powerful moment on stage. And I think that's something that we all deal with. I remember my wife and I, my wife and I were 30, we've been married 33 years. And when we were newly married uh, in Fargo, North Dakota, on Sundays, Rachel, we would drive around and we would drive around to all the neighborhoods and just dream of owning a home. And we, we, had, we knew of people our age in our early 20s, they had a house, they had a car, they had a boat, they had, and we used to think to ourselves, how are they doing it? I think I now know the answer, Rachel, <laughs> but you take these calls. How are people doing that type of lifestyle? I know. I mean, for majority of the statistics show it, yeah, through debt. I mean, people are borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and, and, you know, and I'm finding too, uh credit card debt just hit two days ago. The, the, the most it's ever been really, uh, I think in decades over a trillion dollars now in credit mm. card debt. And so, you know, I think there's, there's a group of people that, you know, they're, they're living that lifestyle where they're just kind of instant gratification, what they want, you know, when they want it. And then there's another group of people that they're like, no, I'm, I'm using, I'm using debt not to go and get extravagant things, but to pay my bills to, to, wow. to go to the grocery store and eat. Right. So, so you kind of see these, these two camps of people that use debt, but the end result is still the same. You start to dig yourself into a financial hole mm-hmm. and you're in there and you're like, how do I get out of here? And so, um, yeah, I, and I'll be honest here, I've been guilty in the past, especially if I saw somebody on like a nice vacation on Instagram or something, I automatically, if I felt a level of like jealousy, you know, I'd be like, they, they probably just put it on a credit card. Yes. <laughs> they, they're probably not paying for it, you know, to, to make myself feel better. And then I had I to realize, same. Rachel, you know, though, the truth is they could have worked <laughs> their butts off for two years and paid for that. Like, like who we don't know, right. We don't know their story. And the point is we don't need to know their story. We need to put the blinders on and focus on our life and our money. And the problem is, is that everyone else's story, everyone else's life is thrown in our face constantly through whether it's social media, TV, your friends. I mean, whatever it is, you constantly are seeing people keeping up with the Joneses is not a new thing. Uh, it's no. delivered in a different way. But I think it's, you know, it's just so key to to put those blinders on. And when you really can focus on your life and your money, that's when you're going to start to see traction. Yeah, great point. You know, also I've I've heard you say, or maybe it was on on X, but the one habit that has the the most power to change your financial life. And I was waiting for it. I thought, okay, here it is. Here's here's the the silver bullet. And you said is to quit comparing yourself. It's the the quit the comparison game. And I never thought of it that way. But tell me a little bit more about what have you seen with all the calls and all the people you work with about how emotion messes with us and forces us or maybe influences us to make some pretty dumb decisions. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. I look around and I'm like the American lifestyle, just the baseline of kind of what you were describing, even with you and your wife, as you were looking at people, I mean, the baseline now is to own a home, to have two cars, to take at least four trips to Disney world while your kids are in elementary school, right. To go to the beach every year. I mean, just the, the, that's the, that's the standard is what it feels like. That's the baseline. And I'm thinking, who can, like, we can afford all of this. You know, the stats are showing us we can't, but yet that's what's been told to us that that's life. And if you're not there, you have to find some way to fill in that margin to get there. And usually, again, it's through debt. And so where the comparison game, sure, it can be played in, oh, wow, I like, you know, the car they're driving or the purse she's carrying. I want that. It can be that tangible, but it also creeps into just this idea of what we expect our lifestyle to be. 
And I think the way our culture's painted it is unrealistic and it's unfair because you think, again, everyone else seems to have this figured out, but me, and that's just not the truth. And so having to cut back on that and those expectations is really difficult. And it's very frustrating. You know, even the housing market, you look at it now and you're like, well, you could have bought in 2019 versus now is a completely different house in a completely different area of town. And so you have to change your expectations because of it. And it sucks. It's not fun, but that's the reality. And so, you know, it's, again, it's, it's very difficult, but that comparison game is real. And I think it creeps in more than we realize. You know, I was talking to a a executive performance coach and we got into this discussion, Rachel, about how uh, not enough people talk about the sacrifice that it takes in order to be a high performer in your career. That that was the whole point of the, of the discussion. And she talked about how the need is to, you know, put in the work, just keep putting the work and be consistent with it. And then I also, in knowing your work, you have talked about how you, you just pick the hard life and commitment and sacrifice. There's hard anywhere, anywhere you turn, but there are some sacrifices needed so I was again talking to the executive coach about putting in the work so you can grow your income and grow your career. But what's your philosophy on the on pick the hard? You got to do it. Yes. I mean, there, like you said, there's two options. I'm like, you can either choose to live paycheck to paycheck and continue this debt cycle, continue to be stressed, continue to lose sleep at night, continue that life. And that's hard. That's a hard life. Or you can say, I'm done. I am done working so hard and having nothing to show for it in my bank account. I feel like we should have more in retirement than we do. We make fine money. Where is it? You know, that that frustrated feeling. And when people get to that point and they say, okay, I'm done. And they, and they draw a line in the sand. They say, we're not borrowing any more money. We're getting out of debt. So we always say around Ramsey, it's easy to wander your way into debt. You cannot wander your way out. It <laughs> takes a lot of intensity and a lot of sacrifice. And so when people are getting out of debt, we tell them it's scorched earth. I mean, you are doing nothing. You're not going out to eat. You're not going on vacation. You're not going to your friend's 40th birthday in California, you know, the resort, like you're not doing anything. You're doing nothing and you're working extra. You're cutting everything and all your extra money is going towards paying down your debt. And it's, you know, we, we find it's around 18 to 24 months on average that people are getting completely debt free except for their house. And it's a hard two years, but that's what I was saying, you know, I think in that video on Instagram where I was like, you can choose two years of hard with freedom on the other side where you have no payments and you get to choose to leave the job that you hate, but you're stuck in it to pay bills. You can, you know, you, you have options and choices when you're money, when you have money, when you have margin, you have freedom, you have the ability to make decisions in your life where otherwise you're not able to. And so uh, it takes sacrifice. It's not easy. But, oh, it, but, but it's doable. You know, that's, that's what I love about my job is I'm like, I talk to people every single day and they're doing it and they're doing yeah. it for their kids. They're doing it for their peace of mind. And, and it's possible. For someone listening who may be in a lot of debt and they're living paycheck to paycheck, which a lot of Americans, a lot of us are, what advice would you give them about, about their, their next steps? They think about, I want to make a change, but I have no idea. I'm just trying to pay the bill here. I'm shifting credit card balance to a different credit card. What should they do? Yeah, I think the first step is really important. And it's really that belief element that you can change. Because, you know, if you've gotten to a place of realizing, gosh, I hate where I am financially, I don't want to be here anymore. 
then you can't keep doing what you've been doing. You have to do something different. And that's going to require change. And change is really hard. Change is uncomfortable. You know, I have three little kids and I was cleaning out our minivan because we have a minivan. We are that family with the minivan. Never thought I would be, Darren, but I am. (laughs) Own it. Own it. And yeah, we took out the car seats to clean everything. And I had switched, you know, at the time uh, my daughter was three and my son was uh, one years old and I had switched their car seats and my daughter got in and at three years old, I mean, she was starting to throw a fit because she was like, this is not my side of the car. And she's like, mom, this is not where I sit. This is not my window. I mean, she was so mad, but I buckled her in because I'm like, we're late. We got to go. Sorry. I can't really care about your feelings. I will care about them in a second. We have to leave. (laughs) And the whole time she's just talking about how she just does not like the side of the car. This is not her, her seat and all this. And I thought, you know, even at three years old, change is uncomfortable. We, we don't like it. You will feel it in your body. Even as Dr. John Deloney would say, you feel it and you don't like it. So that is normal, but that change is required. You cannot keep going with the same money habits you've been doing because you're going to continue to get that same result. You have to change. So that's number one. Number two, I would say to do a budget and it's the B word that everyone hates, but it is the thing that's going to get you control of your income. When your income hits your bank account, you need to know exactly where every dollar is going because you're going to be able to stretch it a lot further than just living on a whim. So doing a budget is key. We can dig into more details of that, Darren, if you want to get into that, but mm-hmm. that budget is key. That's number two. Number three, I would say save up a thousand dollar emergency fund, sell stuff, work extra, do whatever you can just to get a thousand dollars cash. And for some people they're like, oh, perfect. I have that. Some people think, are you kidding me? I can't, I can't even get $400. Yeah. Like I don't have right. the margin. So again, it's that sacrifice we were talking about, but that $1,000 is key. And then you move on to paying off debt. And we teach to pay it off smallest amount to largest amount, regardless of the interest rate, pay minimum payments on everything, and you attack that smallest debt first. And once that smallest debt is paid off, you roll that payment you're paying to the second smallest. And so it's that snowball effect mathematically, but also it's a snowball effect emotionally because when you start to actually make progress, And you start to see, oh my gosh, we've paid off three debts that we've had around for years. Oh, we can for sure pay off this next one because we've done it. You know, you see this proof of concept in your own life and that behavior is really key. And so we find that personal finance is 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. You know, so those steps I laid out, you can understand that. Anyone can understand that, the knowledge of it, but it's actually doing the work. It's actually following through and changing your behaviors where you're going to see progress. And that's, and that's the beautiful thing. We tell people all the time, you know, you're the secret sauce. You're it. You're the solution. You are. But you just have to believe that it is possible and actually walk the steps and do it and you'll see progress. You know, I think so many of us are used to being in debt from a very early age that we can't imagine life without it. And I remember for myself, I remember opening up a credit card in college. Same thing. I think I got a free t-shirt, like you were saying, yeah. <laughs> for it. And then before you know it, before you know it, I had 500 bucks, 750 bucks, a thousand bucks on the credit card. I remember being newly married and my wife, Michelle saying, you know, we, we need new tires, need new tires. And that was another 750 bucks before you know it. Like you were saying, you drift into the state where you're just in debt and you're in your early twenties and that becomes the way you live. And so when you're talking about what freedom feels like, it's a little like mm-hmm. telling people when you climb Mount Everest, it's really cool up there. The view's amazing. You can't even imagine what it feels like. But for a lot of people, it feels like climbing Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. So try to put into words here or just some 
some paint the picture. What does true financial freedom look like and feel like and paint that picture? Yeah, I think it's it's having ultimate peace of knowing that you're not owned by someone else. Your, your Toyota Motor Company doesn't own a part of your life, that you have this true autonomy. And, I, and it is, it's this resting that you can breathe at night, you can sleep well, nobody's coming after you. If something happens with your job, you're going to be okay. I mean, there's so many elements of it that you really can just have a level of peace and a level of of calm. And then I think what that also brings is is options and choices. You know, when you have margin and you have money, you know, if there's a single mom in front of you at the grocery store and her card keeps getting declined, you have the option to be like, oh yeah, I'll get her groceries and mine. Like I I have the ability to help people. I have the ability to to make my have my kids have a, a great future of saving up for college. You know, I like to be able to to do things within your family and for other people you have that ability. And so it's, it's an amazing thing. And it's not one of these things either that you just automatically overnight become a millionaire, right? Like, I mean, there's still yeah. things to do. You still have to save up for stuff. I mean, there's still discipline in working hard, but the, the debt piece is really crucial. In Proverbs, it says the borrower is slave to the lender. And when you are not a slave to a lender anymore, when you really have a level of freedom that you get to decide what to do with the paycheck that you earned, a paycheck that you've set maybe in traffic for, a paycheck that you've tried to log in on Zoom and it just doesn't work and connect and the people annoy you all the time that you work with, you know, your boss is a jerk, like whatever it is that you had to do to earn that paycheck, <laughs> it's yours. It's not, yeah, it's not going off to Bank of America. It's yours. And there's something empowering about that because it gives you, it gives you options and choices. Oh, I think that's beautifully said. And for those who have, are not out of debt, Uh, but have a goal of doing it. I mean, listen to that. Just imagine what that might feel like and how your life could be completely different. And my message to you, I mean, I know Rachel's message is, my message is, you guys, you can do this. It does take sacrifice, but it is so worth it. You know, Rachel and everybody, uh, Michelle and I, again, 33 years, we made all the money mistakes. You name the money mistake, we made it. We made it. We, we, We bought bought a house when we shouldn't have, we sold it when we shouldn't have, credit card debt, et cetera. However, then in about, in about three years ago now, we became debt-free. Oh, and congratulations. It, well, thank you. And I have to tell you, it is the most liberating feeling and it's mm. difficult to put into words, but I really am just now an evangelist on what you're, what you're bringing forth mm. saying, it does take a lot of sacrifice, but holy smokes, it, is it ever worth it? For sure. Yeah. That's so well said. So now, well said. Rachel, um, interest rates—they are—they're—they're they're high. Obviously, if, if they're they're among the highest we've seen in a generation here. Auto loans—I think the auto loan right now is seven percent to buy a new car. I read somewhere you would know better than I that right now about twenty-two percent of all new auto loans have a monthly payment of over one thousand dollars a month, and I also believe that. The number one reason why the middle class is having difficulty getting a leg up is because of car payments are just draining the families dry. And so what, what for those who are looking for that dependable vehicle, right? The emotions are taken over. They want that new F-150 or the new Suburban. Talk some sense into all of oh us. Oh my gosh. I'll tell you, Darren, the, the car payments is probably the most frustrating debt. We could talk credit cards and the airline miles and the game that people play with credit cards. 
We can talk student loans. I mean, all of it. But the car debt is it's some of the most frustrating because you're mathematically borrowing money on something that's going down in value. Yeah. And here's the deal. For what? For your for for your SUV to be sitting in a parking lot and a thousand dollars a month. A thousand dollars. I saw 83% of Americans can't cover a four hundred dollar emergency in cash. That thousand dollar car payment would do it for you. And then even worse, you invest that and you actually see instead of me paying interest, what if I earned interest by putting that away and paying myself a car payment every month and investing? You would have millions of dollars at retirement if you started that, you know, in your 20s. I mean, just the math works against you for what? For a stupid car. I mean, honestly, it's so it's so maddening, maddening because I'm like, it's for a car. And here's the thing, too, is cars are made so well today. You could buy a car with 100,000 miles, a Honda Civic, a Pilot, you know, go Honda, Toyota, these reliable brands, and they will still run for years and years and years and years. They are so well made. And and again, it's it's a status symbol thing for a lot of people. It's something like that we've we have made it this identity of who I am is what I drive. And even I joked with you, Darren, about driving the minivan. I even did that to myself. <laughs> did you hear that? You know, so isn't it crazy how we like so, you know, entangle our cars and what we drive with us. And, and so it is, it, it, it is the most frustrating debt because not only is the asset going down in value, but yeah. also it entangles you in something that is, un, is unnecessary. So yeah, driving yeah. a, driving a $5,000, $6,000 car is not fun forever, but we don't tell you to do that forever. Do yeah. it for a season while you save up and pay cash, sell that, have some money saved, keep stepping up over time. But people that just, yeah, the, um, which I know a lot of people do it, but man, it's it's a really, um, it, it's a thing a lot of people would say that keeps the middle class the middle class. Right. Because if you had invested that, again, the wealth that could come from it. Yeah, no, and I, and I didn't mean to pile on on the on the, uh, on the minivan. Actually, my- uh, No, best, no, the, I did it myself. Best, <laughs> best car I've ever had was a used Honda Odyssey, still. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think I'd ever have a minivan, but I'm, it, was, it was the best car. <laughs> It was the best. All right. Now, Rachel, you are just a buzzkill here because you brought up budgeting. And don't you know, budgeting is not fun. There's nothing fun about budgeting. You're restricting me. I cannot be tied down. What do we need to know about budgeting? Why is it the answer? Yes. Uh, I would say I was a, I was on that line of thinking for a long time because I'm a natural spender and a free spirit. Uh, but I have learned that a budget does not limit your freedom. It gives you freedom. Hmm. It gives you permission to spend. It gives you the mental capacity to be able to go to the grocery store and not think, oh gosh, is this too much? Should our money have gone there? Or even if you go do something fun with the kids and you're second guessing, oh, I hope we, I hope this is okay. You know, all of those questions, that guilt, that shame is removed when you have a budget and you have a plan. So I teach people a zero-based budget and that's basically your income that comes in for the month minus all of your expenses, including giving and saving, should equal zero. So every dollar coming in is assigned to a category. And I use uh, an app called Every Dollar, and it attaches to my bank account. So I can drag and drop transactions as they come in. Uh, I had seven this morning. You know, I was coming into the office and I had seven on my app. So I opened it, of course, like five of them are Amazon. So it's like, (laughs) what did we buy from Amazon? You know, and then gas and all that. And you can drag and drop into your categories and keep track of, you're spending and stay within those boundaries that you've set. But 
staying within your means and being intentional with your money and where it goes, not only will help you pay off debt because then you'll see, oh my gosh, how much have we spent going out to eat? Hundreds of dollars a month. We could put that towards our debt. If we cut Disney Plus and Netflix and Hulu, you know, that frees up, you know, 50 bucks of subscriptions that we can throw at the debt. You can actually start to look to see where can I cut things to actually get out of debt and save money. And so it is a powerful tool. And and then ultimately, when you're on the other side of paying off debt and having an emergency fund, you know, it's it's your it's your tool to be able to say, okay, we want to go shopping. So let's put a clothing line item in there for the month, put a dollar amounts that works and and go shopping. You know, you can really enjoy your life and do it on a plan. And and we do, my husband and I, I mean, every month we're doing it and we do a yep. new one every single month and it takes about three months to get it to work. So if you're not used to it, give yourself a lot of grace because it's not going to be perfect, but it just gives you this ability to say, gosh, I, again, I work hard for my money. So I want it to go where I want it to go instead of it just squandering, you know, throughout the month. Amen to that. Uh, you mentioned, by the way, the name of the app again is? Every dollar. Every dollar. Okay. And you mentioned your husband and that immediately I went into the, the relationships that we're all in. And if you're really going to make a change, this is not a one person, this is a team effort. Uh, that's the most obvious question to the whole interview, but it is, it's a team effort, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you're married, you and your spouse working together, and this is really crucial and it's hard because usually one spouse is very excited to do it. And they're like, Hey, let's sell your truck and let's get <laughs> everything. And the other spouse is like, you're crazy. What podcast were you listening to? Right. So usually there's like the two opposites, but the couples that can come together and work together and do this journey together, they see progress so much faster. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible for one to do it, not the other, because I mean, you're going to end up, you know, counteracting each other anyways. So if you both can sit down and as a couple say, Hey, we're on the same team. We're doing, you know, maybe parenting together. If you have kids, you know, we're doing this life together. Let's do money together and be a team and work this plan. And it's, and it's amazing. And what's crazy is we hear so many couples say our marriage was completely transformed. We're like, we weren't teaching marriage. You know, we were taught, we're teaching you how to do a budget (laughs) together, but so much of the, the intimacy again, that is intertwined with our money. When you start to work together and communicate about it, it's huge. So you're not a fan of separate bank accounts? (laughs) <laughs> no, you probably see some of my rants on that. No, I'm not. I'm not. Unless there's, if there's, you know, abuse, addiction, divorce. I mean, if there's, if there's an extreme situation, I will always caveat with that. Then you need to protect yourself. But for all the other couples out there, you need to be one. You need to be one in your money and see yourself as a team. And man, when you do that, again, the progress that you see is going to be light years faster than if you're like, well, you pay these bills, I'll pay these. And we're going to basically be roommates. Right. No, you're a married couple. Like you're sharing genetics. If you have kids running around, like you share a bed, like you share everything else, share your money. It will do, it will challenge you. It'll stretch you, but oh, it'll piece together with you and some fights will happen. You know, it's not going to be a perfect science, but intimacy is created when you see yourself as one. So Rachel, you mentioned about money. Uh, you know, you, we work hard for the money, and but sometimes it's just you don't know where it's going. I find it's more difficult than ever because everything is just kind of taken out of your account automatically. You just don't even think about it. I'm looking here at a study uh, that was done, and they asked some consumers how much you spend on subscriptions. And the initial con- the consumer said we spend on average. They said right around eighty five, eighty six dollars. Again, this is research I'm sure you're already aware of. 
the average monthly spend for consumers, for those listening, how much do you spend on subscriptions? What, what's your number? Maybe 85. Here's what they spent on average, $219 oh my gosh. a month on subscriptions. Now, that, that blew me away. And I, I'm starting to think I got to go through my phone and start canceling subscriptions. Yeah, that I never that's used. right. Yes. But is, is that a surprise to you? Is that just like part of living in a modern 2023 world right now? I know, you know, it's not, it's not overly shocking. I, it was higher than I was thinking because so many of them, they get you because it's like, oh, $6.99 a month. You know, you, you think, oh, that's, that's seven, that's easy. That's seven bucks. But you start to pile these things on. And I think you hit on it too. The things we pay for that we don't even realize when you're not doing a budget and you're not tracking your money, uh-huh. that stuff can go, go on forever. And we're even guilty of it. Apple, I kept paying Apple, like, I think it was like eight ninety nine. I'm like, what is this for? And it was for this memory thing that I was doing, but I don't even need it anymore because we have Dropbox, you know? And so even me, I'm like, yeah. oh God, how have we been paying them for this? And we didn't even really need it. So keeping track of stuff, I mean, it really does. And it adds up. That's the other point is, oh my gosh, it adds up. So be watching sure and beware. Okay. So Rachel, you uh, you have a fantastic podcast, uh, the Rachel Cruz Show. Also, do I have this right? Smart Money Happy Hour podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes, fun. that's correct. Fun podcast. I love the it Barbie is. episode. That was a lot yeah, of fun. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you are a mom of three kids, and and I, I I'm not asking you to give us the advice. I'm just always curious for those that are parents. What what have you learned? What notes are you taking about being a mom that maybe you want to share with us? Wins or if you're like most parents, a lot of misses. You know, I, I, we have little ones, so they're eight, six, and three. Um, but Winston and I, my husband, you know, we keep talking about as much as we can. We're like the two big things that we want is we want to be connected to them. We want to have the ability to, you know, have in my, our eight-year-old, we're seeing a glimpse of it. Cause I'm like, we can ask her questions and she, she talks to us still, you know, <laughs> in this yeah. world right now. And I'm like, and I just want to be in tuned and connected to my kids. And we also want to just have a lot of fun. Like that's another big part for us is we're like, we just want to enjoy it because discipline has to happen. Boundaries, you know, are non-negotiable. But when you can bring the fun part of it, I feel like that's where they thrive and where they really connect with us. And so those are two big things. But also, Darren, I found that so much of my, you know, when I get riled up or something, it is so much more my stuff than them. Like I find myself like being insecure about something or what someone's thinking. So then it makes me short and snappy with them, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is my issue. This isn't theirs. So it's a big mirror. It, parenting has been a mirror and it's not always a pretty one. <laughs> uh, you're on the Ramsey show. And so you're doing, doing a lot, but you're also a best-selling author. Uh, you have uh, smart money, smart kids, love your life, not theirs. Know yourself, know your money. You have a new book coming out and tell us a little bit more about this, Rachel. Yes, I'm so excited about this. This is a book that was inspired by my kids. It's a kid's book and it's called I'm Glad for What I Have. And one of the biggest uh, takeaways for me as a parent when I read with my kids is I selfishly love the books that have a message to me as well as the parent. So when I wrote this, I was like, I want to you know, have these words spoken over kids uh, for them to learn and hear what contentment looks like and to be thankful for what they have. But also as a parent, it's a reminder to me. I mean, I'm the, I'm a spender. I'm the one that can get trapped in all this stuff. When I see a good sale, I'm like, oh gosh, you know, I want that. So so even the the ending is is a repetitiveness for me, 
the parent too. So I would say if you're a parent of a little one, it's a board book. So it's really short. You're welcome, parents. We love the short <laughs> kids books at, 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 at bedtime. Yes. Uh, but it, it is something that my kids, uh, you know, they're constantly asking for stuff. They think Amazon packages just magically appear on the front porch and it's so great. And so, you know, starting to really work on the, their character throughout this money message is very important as well as us as adults. So yeah, it's called, I'm glad for what I have. And it's animals. The illustrations are just phenomenal. Uh, Laurel and Giglio from, um, she's out of California. She did yeah. the illustrations and it's just beautiful. So I'm really excited about it. So if you're a grandparent even, or a parent of little ones, make sure to check it out. Cause it's just a sweet book on teaching your kids contentment. So Rachel, uh, if you look forward into 2023 and I can't believe it, we're just what 120 days away from a brand new year, but what's, what's coming up along with the book that you're really excited about? Well, that new podcast, smart money, happy hour, uh, it's been out for a little bit now, but it's one that we've loved and our dream is to kind of take it on the road possibly and oh, come to cool. a few cities and do some live recordings. We'll see if that ends up happening, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we have some events coming up, money and marriage, uh, an event that I'm doing with Dr. John Deloney in October here in Nashville for couples. So, all right. You mentioned social media. What is the best way to, to stay in touch with you and my goodness, all the cool projects that you're up to? Yes. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So yeah, all the, oh, and TikTok too. Yes. We TikTok. Can't about TikTok. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> Reluctantly, but I, I personally live on Instagram a little bit more than all the other places, but uh, yeah, you can check out and we always yeah try to give you some good content around your money and your life. At Rachel, at the end of the I Dare You podcast, I ask all my guests, what is the I Dare You challenge that you have for all of us? So to you, you would dare us or challenge us to do what? To live just a little bit of a better life. Oh, this is a big dare. So I know it's not flippant. I would dare you to get out of debt is what I would tell people. Because here's the thing. I think it's going to take a lot of work. It'll take years for some for some people listening. But once you get out, if you hate it and you're like, I want credit card debt back in my life, you can always go back in. It's very easy to get back in if you want. But I dare you to get out because I'm going to I'm going to say you're going to want to stay free and it's going to be the best thing to you for your money. It's a great challenge and you're really transparent. It's a big about challenge. It as well. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's it takes work and sacrifice. But what I love about your message of hope is that it's worth it and you can do it. So Absolutely. Great there. It's possible. Yeah. Rachel, I this is I have to tell you, it's been it took a little bit of work here to sync up our, our schedules and to make this happen. But I'm really grateful to you and to your team for arranging this. And I, and thank you so much for being part of the podcast. You are helping so many people and changing a lot of lives through your message. So it's really been an honor having you here. Oh, thank you, Darren. Thanks for having me and keep up all the work that you're doing. You're spreading hope and all your stuff too. So I, I appreciate you having me on and letting me talk to your audience. So thank you. Rachel Cruz. There you go. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Rachel even better. I loved getting to know her, and that interview and the conversation is one that I'm, I'm going to remember for a long, long time. What are you going to take away from this? What are you going to implement? I've got a couple things that I intend to do. I'm going to propose to Michelle that we are going to start a budget. Now, Michelle and I have done budgeting over time, nothing quite as, as religiously or as disciplined as we should. But we are now at this stage where we are empty nesters, we are 56 years old, and we also want to get a better handle on our expenses as we think about 
retirement, and that's probably about 10 years away. But when that comes, we've got to get a better handle on, on where our money is going because, honestly, we don't have a budget, and we should, and that would benefit us. So that's the one thing I intend to do. And the second thing is to watch out for that social comparison. When we are buying things that just don't matter, and let's just be Michelle and I, we're going to be more grateful for what we have as opposed to the material things. So what will it be for you? There's a lot there. Just try one thing. Now, I know financial literacy can be intimidating at times. And if you find yourself in a lot of debt, it can be paralyzing. I am inviting you to take that step forward and start getting into action using this interview as perhaps that motivation. Follow Rachel on Instagram. She's an incredible follow where it gives you short snippets of insights to keep you on track. And the lesson of consistency over time pays off really is the truth with financial goals. It's, a, it's the truth with any goal that we have, physical or mental or relationships, but with financial, absolutely. Whether you're talking about investing and having compound interest over time or reducing debt, the key is to start taking action today and to start taking back control of your life. It's worth it and you can do it. So now that you listen to the episode, who are you going to share this episode with? And you're thinking of somebody. It could be one person or 10. Maybe it's uh, a friend or a family, a child. This, this message of financial literacy is so key. Thank you for listening. I know you have a lot of choices in podcasts and digital communications. The fact you're here means a lot, and I appreciate you. So next week, we're going to get into it again on the I Dare You podcast. I'll see you then.